Liz McClymont and Aurora Garner-Randolph have worked together on a documentary called I Stand for Consent. It sprang from a shocking survey that revealed the extent of sexual harassment at Liv's old school, Aurora's current school, Avonside Girls High School. And Liv McClymont looked more closely at why consent education is still not compulsory in all New Zealand schools. So the documentary focuses on the story of the students at Avonside Girls, including Aurora Garner-Randolph, who convinced the school to commission the survey. And there was a survey at fellow Shirley Boys High School at the same time, with results that were interesting in themselves, although less revealing, or even more revealing, you could argue. I Stand for Consent will be available to watch online in a couple of days, September the 4th, as part of Series 7 of Someday Stories. I asked Aurora what first sparked her involvement in the area. I got involved in this initially from talking to friends and other students at my school about their experiences with harassment and their experiences with assault. And a particular catalyst was... um, one friend of mine telling me about how she'd been harassed and assaulted by a boy at a neighbouring school and just how completely terribly the school had handled it and had supported her. Um, and I banded together with a group of other students and we realised our school is not dealing with instances of harassment and assault adequately. And it's also not teaching about consent or talking about consent um, and all these really important issues that affect young people. And so we decided we had to get something done at our school about it. Just uh, everything is very tactful and diplomatic in this report. But as we know, in 2019, Avonside Girls High School and Shirley Boys High School began to share certain facilities um, Mm -hmm. post-earthquake. Is this study of sexual harassment talking about Avonside and Shirley boys coming together. Is that the problem? I don't think it's just a problem with those two schools. I think that absolutely it is an issue that comes up when um, a boys' school and a girls' school are co-located. As we did see in the report, um, a large percentage of um reported harassment incidents, the the perpetrators were male. Um, you could see that from the report. But I think it's also an issue experienced in the wider community. It's happening at, I would say, you know, every high school right. to some You don't degree. want the headline to read, Shirley Boy's behaving badly. No, I, do, I don't think that's helpful. However, um, it is also not helpful for them to have responded as they did to the survey. They responded like idiots. In large part, they, um, you know, wrote stupid answers and Mm -hmm. did not take it seriously, which you could argue is part of the problem. I absolutely agree. I think the fact that they they had to scrub a quarter of the survey results from the Shirley Boys one really indicates that at that school and in larger society among, among males, among men particularly, 
um, there is a lack of understanding of the gravity and importance of sexual harassment and assault. They do say that boys grow up later. Is it more complicated than that? I think absolutely is more complicated than that. I don't think we can just um, call developmental issues um, and rest that case. I think it's, it is a case that particularly boys and men are taught by society and by media from a very young age that they can get away with disrespecting people's boundaries and disrespecting people's consent. We'll talk in a little more detail about what the survey found, but Liv, if I can ask you, how did you get involved? I became involved because I am an advocate in this space. I care deeply about sexual harm prevention and I'm also an ex-Avonside student. Uh, so when the survey results came out last year, I was really inspired by the bravery of the young women who wanted to make change in the space. They did the survey because they wanted to make change. They wanted people to, pe people to pay attention to this issue and for, you know, to have this education taught, not just in their school, but in all schools. And yeah, that really inspired me as, as somebody who has experienced sexual harm to see that these young people were trying to challenge that and they wanted to challenge these ideas of the normalisation of sexual harassment. Were you surprised when you read, for example, 21 reports of rape or near rape? I would say I didn't feel surprised. I obviously that's heartbreaking and terrible, but given, you know, my experiences, the experiences of my peers, my family, you know, sexual harassment is an epidemic in New Zealand. It is part of a normal part of growing up. And so to hear that obviously is horrible, but it is the reality of the situation. So it didn't strike you that in the 10 years since you were at school, at Avonside actually, things had got so much worse? Yeah, in some ways I do feel like it, it has got worse um, and maybe that's just my own perception that through to things like social media and the easy access to pornography that young people are becoming sexual and understanding things to do with intimate relationships at a much younger age and so, you know, it doesn't feel to me like enough is being done in the space to balance out some of those harmful narratives. So in some ways, you know, it felt the same. Like I'm seeing these same stories of these horrible things happening to these young people. But in other ways, yes, I think because of these new technologies, things likely have got worse. Would you care to elaborate on why sexual harm prevention is something that you have championed? Yeah, well, sexual harm is something that I, I champion because it's something that directly affects me. In what, um, in what way? Uh, it's, it's affected me, you know, every day since I've, you know, been a young woman. I was trying to think back on what my first experience of sexual harassment was, and I think I was around about 11 or 12 where somebody pulled up in their car on the street when I was walking home from school and asked me how much I cost, how much it would cost to sleep with me. And, you know, since then until now, I still 
endure sexual harassment on a regular basis. Even through making this film, there have been instances where I've experienced sexual harassment and sexual assault. And, you know, these are situations that are out of my control. There's nothing that I can do but but try to protect myself. And so, you know, that to an extent, you know, to me that actually it's just not acceptable that I have to live my life. And, you know, one in four Kiwis in New Zealand are sexually assaulted. You know, we have to live our lives in fear of being sexually harassed on the daily. I think we as a society need to step up and do better for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and especially for our young people who, you know, they can grow up in a safer society if we give them the tools to do so. Aurora, were you surprised by the results of the survey? Again, I wasn't surprised either. I mean, I was very distraught to read all those experiences and see the incredibly high percentage of students who'd experienced sexual harassment. But from just anecdotal experience, I knew that the people around me in my community were experiencing these things. It was just heartbreaking to see it on paper. Do do you talk about it amongst yourselves? I think it's it's definitely discussed um, among peer groups, but it's still a taboo topic. It's still shameful to talk about that. And there is certainly still a culture of blame um, on on victims of these experiences that prevents them from seeking help and then prevents them also from receiving help. Sorry, but I, I get the impression that a lot of young women are not able to identify that it was sexual harassment because you know, maybe consent wasn't explicitly given, um, but neither was no said. And so there's self-blame there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's really where um, consent education and a culture of learning and understanding consent comes in. Um, a so many people in the survey said that they didn't know, even when a definition was provided, whether their experiences did count as harassment, did count as assault, because that's not something that they'd learn in any depth or in any nuanced way. How was the survey carried out? Um, at Avonside, it was... Uh, it was a lengthy process, but it was really well done. I think we we held it in um, out of concerns for students' well-being. You know, to be taking bringing up these triggering memories. You know, in a in a private setting, the school wanted to hold it in the school hall, um, and there was Kai available, and there were little comfortable seats where everybody could just kind of be together and have access to counsellors and support if they needed that which I think was really good, compared with uh, Shirley Boys, who just sent out their survey to students um, and didn't kind of facilitate the completion of the survey. I think it's very clear in the low response rate and the high number of students who just made a mockery of the survey. Um, That's very interesting that it, that it wasn't carried out more carefully at Shirley Boys. Yeah, definitely. The principal must carry some kind of responsibility for that, presumably. I yeah I would assume that's the process. I wasn't uh too aware of the process that Shirley Boys was going through as they are technically a separate school but um, I wonder if there's going to be a follow up maybe um Liv, you know this or Aurora whether there's going to be a follow up at Shirley Boys because clearly there's a, <laughs> there's a problem there wouldn't you think? Mm -hmm. 
I I could say that I know that Shirley approached the survey in a different way, having been given different advice as to how boys would react to the survey. And they felt that potentially if it was done in a group setting, it could end up being a bit of a pack mentality. And I think it's important to note that even with the Shirley survey, there was still a lot of disclosure of sexual harm. Um, so a follow-up, I'm not sure if it's necessary at Shirley. I think it's really great that they did the survey in the first place to, you know, that the first all-boys school in New Zealand to have done this survey. And they have shone a light on something that I'm sure is particularly hard as, you know, a male school to to talk about because we know that male, you know, men are the predominantly are the perpetrators of sexual harm. And so talking about it um, in a male environment is really tricky. But also given that men are sometimes the victims of sexual harm. Exactly. And and that has a whole different range of uh, you know, of of understanding and of of reason why consent should be taught to boys as well, because there are different sorts of shames, um, you know, that sort of shame and guilt that comes with sexual harassment that come from from being a boy. It was really interesting in the film talking to Sam Troth from Male Survivors Aotearoa about his experience of being a male survivor and um, and how hard it is to come forward most men won't disclose that they have been sexually harassed for something like 30 years. So, you know, if we're taking into consideration these are teenage boys who may only just be understanding what sexual harassment is and what consent is, that, you know, they might have some difficulty disclosing what's happened to them. And also feel a particular kind of shame. Yeah. Interesting. How did you um, get him to talk to you so frankly? Sam is amazing. Um, right now he is walking the width of New Zealand um, to spread awareness of uh, the importance of understanding sexual consent and understanding male survivors and their experiences. Um, you know, he's an advocate in this space and, you know, I think he does it for the same reason that I do. You know, we've both been affected by this issue and he wants to make sure that there is space for men in this conversation as well, which I think is really important. You know, it does disproportionately affect women um, and our rainbow communities, but we need men to be part of this conversation and, and sexual harm does affect men as well. We need to remember that this is not just a female issue. This is an everybody issue. Sexual harm affects everyone. Aurora, it, seems to be the case that one in four young New Zealanders have seen pornography by the age of 12. Mm -hmm. What do you think that does to their perceptions, whether they be male or female, to their perceptions of sexual intimacy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we should always be cautious when um, conflating, you know, exposure to these images with with sexual violence. I think the issue is always more complex than that. And we do have an underlying kind of patriarchal um, culture that facilitates sexual harm. But I think the internet and exposure to pornography from a young age is is a factor in the way it essentially you know the availability um and kind of 
widespread access to violent pornography um, for young people and pornography that does not does not showcase consent in any kind of meaningful way and even sort of fetishizes lack of consent. Well, it does. We were talking about porn on this program the other week and and that was one of the issues really, that porn by its nature is not, you know, would you mind? Just marking time, Liv, how was sex taught? What kind of sex education did you have 10 years ago at Aidenside? It was very limited. We definitely weren't taught about consent. It was basically condoms on bananas and don't get STIs, you might die. Um, so <laughs> it was it was very limited. And actually, I, I think I only really received two lessons in total on sexual education. Um, and that's that's also part of the problem is that sex education back then and now is not something that all schools have to teach. Um, everybody gets to decide, you know, how and, and what they teach their students. And so, you know, consent isn't something that all young people are being taught about. No. And I mean, there's a whole school of thought represented in the documentary by the mention of Vision New Zealand mm. that teaching young people about sex is going to encourage them to do it. Yeah, which... I disagree with. I, you know, we're we're primal beings, and you know, teenagers have hormones, and part of being a teenager is about pushing the boundaries and trying things out and figuring out your identity and your sexual identity. Like it's really naive to think that teenagers aren't going to have sex. So we need to make sure that they have the tools and the you know the support systems around them to be able to have safe. Um, happy, healthy, intimate relationships and that they understand what consent is so that, you know, they can either have a really good intimate um, sexual relationship or that if something happens that they know that that's wrong and that they can get help. Taking Liv's point, Aurora, that not all schools teach sex education, how Mm -hmm. does Avonside teach it right now? What's been your experience? Well, in the lead up to the survey, um, I actually conducted, I felt that the Avonside Health Curriculum for juniors, because it's not compulsory for seniors, which I think it absolutely should be, um, was there was a general feeling among students that it was inadequate in a variety of areas. And so, and also I felt that student voice was not being included in any kind of discussions or uh, reforms of the curriculum. So I ended up doing a bit of a survey on my fellow students to see what they, how they felt about it. And a couple of things came out really strongly. Um, a lot of people said, although it is officially included in the curriculum, um, consent and sexual relationships a lot of people said it wasn't handled teachers didn't feel comfortable handling it teachers weren't equipped to discuss lgbtq relationships or sex um and a quote that i think from a student that really summed it up for me is teachers need to stop talking about sex like it's uncomfortable and taboo that was the feeling from students um and from me as well uh, and once again, it's not just an Avonside issue. From understanding, talking to other students at high school, Avonside is definitely one of the better schools when it comes to teaching this stuff comprehensively. I've I've heard stories that you wouldn't you wouldn't believe from some of the other high schools. Tell me something I wouldn't believe. Well, 
just hearing about somebody who was made to do role plays in front of the class in which they had to pretend to pressure somebody into sex and that that really triggered and upset them. I I found that shocking that teachers weren't equipped or trained enough to know that that is not an appropriate way to teach about consent and not an appropriate way to make students feel comfortable in their class sharing concerns. The thing is, I mean, you were criticising teachers for being, you know, too nervous or too sensitive or not Mm -hmm. equipped. But the thing is, it is a minefield and they Mm -hmm. do have to be really careful about teaching it. It's not something that, it's not like maths, right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It is a really difficult um, field to teach in. But there was there was a report that came out, um, I believe it was in 2022 and last year from New Zealand secondary school teachers who said that we aren't being given accurate, um, we aren't giving being given adequate resources to teach this comfortably. We we don't feel confident teaching this. Some aspects, you know, we do. There was a really high kind of confidence rate for, I think, teaching about stuff like stereotypes, which can be a fraught topic. But again, they said um, in this report that only 26% of health teachers felt comfortable talking about porn, which, as we've seen, is a really important and pressing issue to be talking to young people about. And I think... I don't want to put blame on teachers because I think they're doing the best with the resources that they have. But I think it indicates a need for for better support, better training and better resources for these teachers so they can feel comfortable in the classroom too. You want consent education to be mandatory. It is mandatory in Australia. Do either of you know how it is taught there? I know that it is taught at an age-appropriate level from primary through to year 10. And so that means that at, you know, every age level, you know, the discussions about consent change. So we're obviously not going to be talking about sex with five-year-olds, but what we are going to be talking about is safe touching and safe people. And then later on, it's maybe going like asking people if they want a hug, you know, hug or a high five, you know, you know, the the invitation to add consent to their everyday lives. And then once you get older, it then, you know, puberty hits and, and we start needing to talk about sex in a more meaningful way. That's when we start adding sex to the equation. That's essentially how they do it in Australia. And that's what we'd love to see replicated here in New Zealand. Um, Liz Gordon, who wrote up the Avonside report, the survey, she made the point that the study of Christchurch Girls High School in 2021 showed very similar findings, but nothing happened. You're obviously hoping that this doesn't have the same result, i.e. nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's part of why I wanted to make this documentary was to sort of follow up on, you know, this gigantic step in the right direction. You know, the school wanted to, you know, the school and students wanted to understand the issue so that they could make tangible change in this space. Um, And, you know, it's sad to see that nothing has happened at Christchurch Girls. And I know that everything takes time. And I'm sure that there's probably things that we don't know about going in behind, uh, behind the scenes. But yeah, I think the main thing is that we continue the conversation. And so with this documentary, that's what we're trying to do. We are continuing the conversation about the need to 
yeah, make consent education compulsory and to reduce sexual harm in New Zealand. Aurora, is it your perception that Avonside is onto it? Uh, not as much as I would wish them to be. I know that, um, you know, senior faculty and the counselling department are kind of trying to make steps um, in, in including student voice in this stuff. But there's a whole, there's so many changes, I think, that could be made in order to to reduce these numbers slowly over time that I think need need to be implemented. You mean I, beyond yeah. mandatory consent education or as well yeah, as? Yeah, well, I think mandatory consent education in at the junior level works, but I think we also need to have a larger conversation about how much we value and good quality health education implementing that in in for years 11, 12 and 13, because at the moment uh, schools do bring in uh, workshop facilitators from the police and from other like violence prevention workshops, you know, to teach senior students this stuff. But it's it's incredibly short. You know, it takes place over the course of a couple of hours, you know, one day, maybe two days out of a whole year, when I think it is one of the most important things, if taught well, if taught comprehensively, that you can pass on to a young person. No doubt important, but I can still hear teachers say, haven't we got enough to do? Where are the parents in all this? I think there's definitely a strong support from parents um, around the survey saying that they would like to see better consent education. But I think at the end of the day, it's about it's not just about what parents want. It's about what young people want and what young people are saying very strongly is that they want to be taught about this stuff and they want to feel equipped to go out into the world, understanding consent and understanding their own boundaries. But again, channeling Vision New Zealand and their ilk, is it not a parent's job to do this? I think that parents absolutely should be having these conversations with the young people. But it's important to remember that not all parents are equipped to have all of these conversations as well. You know, most parents you know, my age and older, would not have been taught about consent. So they might ha not have the same sort of tools and resources that could be provided to a school and to teachers. I think as well, it's it's important to note that most of the time when there is sexual abuse, you know, it, most of the time this does actually happen from somebody that the person knows and is in the home or is, you know, um, home adjacent, you know, a family friend or something like that. So having a safe place at school and education at school is really important, especially for young people, you know, if their parents aren't giving them this education or if there's potentially abuse going on at home. And that was Aurora Garner-Randolph and Liv McClymont. I Stand for Consent is the name of the documentary.